from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. I'm your host, Tanya Sam, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Our next guest is the high-powered Hollywood player and blogger behind the popular site Confessions of a Serial Dater in LA. You may have seen her on MSNBC. She is the resident dating expert on eDaily Pop, The Real, Good Day LA, and several regional morning shows. She is definitely the woman you should be listening to before you decide to tie the knot or maybe even go on some of those first dates. Money Moves, please welcome to the podcast, Monique Kelly. Hi, Monique. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because our Money Moves audience loves to talk about financial wealth, literacy, generational wealth. But one of the underlying themes that we have really approached this is as how you can do it as 
a household, how you do it as a family, and just building relationships that are healthy in and around not just love, but money. So really excited to have you here today and hear your perspectives on money and love and all things combined. Yes, it's going to be good. Yeah. So I just want to introduce you more to our audience. Tell us, um, you know, sort of your journey through entrepreneurship and how you became this dating expert and coach. So basically I got married and then I got divorced, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it happens. And during that time I was a studio executive and I started re-entering the dating world again. Now as a divorcee, no longer a woman in my twenties, but now as a woman who was divorced and started going on dates. And as we know, dating in LA, dating anywhere, dating Atlanta, dating Chicago, New York, It's very interesting. So I started and created a blog called Confessions of a Serial Dater in LA. And initially I was doing the blog anonymously because again, I was a studio executive. I didn't want my colleagues to know it was me. So I was an avatar with the blog, with a glass of wine and just talking about my dates. Oh my gosh, I I love this. Yeah, it was was so great because I would tell my friends some of the dating stories. And, you know, as ladies, we'll be like, you need to write about that. So I started the blog and it grew from there. It literally just blew up because I think what was going on was Sex in the City was not on and just like that obviously just came out. Yeah. So women were longing to have someone that they could relate to and that they could see themselves in, especially with dating. And, and share I, all these crazy stories and experiences because if it was happening to you, I'm sure like so many of my girlfriends will be like, girl, you'll never guess. And it's like, <laughs> it can't beat last time. And you're like, oh, this one takes the cake. You know, it really does. Because like, it's it's so many crazy stories. Now, let me be clear. When I was writing the blog, I was always like, I want to make sure it can be something where my grandma and my mama can read it. And that's a little girl. What are you talking about on a national thing? So it was one of those things where we just we dove in. And from there, as it blew up, I eventually came out as it's me, Monique Kelly. And I started this event, these events called Cocktails and Confessions, where it was a talk show type of uh, deal. And people would come to Hollywood hotspots. I read a blog and we would talk dating and relationships and it just blew up from there. And one of the people who produces the shows saw my blog and then I got on TV and just started talking about it. And then women came to me and were telling me their stories, telling me their struggles. And for a lot of the dating experts out there, either they've been married for decades, they don't really understand what's going on. Or they're men and no shade to the men. You know, a lot of these male dating experts have a few of their own skeletons in the closet. I've seen a lot of that this year. Absolutely. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. You know, it was something where they could relate to me, not feel judged and feel like we were in this together. Yeah. I mean, I love that. And I think, you know, it's funny, your, your point about a lot of the like legacy dating experts, they've sort of been out of the game and it's changed so drastically. We've had social media influences, you know, people are dating on apps, all sorts of things that I think like it's such a oddly shifting industry and area for so many of us. We want the current take on it. Exactly, because it's so different. If you haven't experienced dating with social media, texting, um, even now in this pandemic world, it's hard for you to give pie in the sky advice and have it be feel tangible for people who are single. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive in. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to share like one of your favorite dating stories and then we can sort of go from there, but come on, give us the tea. Okay. I, okay. I'll do one that I can, we can share, you know, on a, a respectful basis. Yes. Back in my twenties, I met this guy at a party 
real handsome, you know, and we'll talk about this later. You know, he had the cufflinks, he had the nice Gucci shoes, you know, the beautiful skin, the Carmax on the lips. You know how men used to always wear yep. the Carmax? Yep. And he was fine. So we went on a date and as we were on the date, his phone kept ringing over and over again. He would pick up the phone and like turn it down and roll his eyes, right? You know, you know how, you know where we're going with this. And at a certain point I was like, is everything okay? So he said, basically, you know, that's my ex. She's crazy. I'm so sorry. She keeps blowing me up. Now, keep in mind, I'm not the woman of a particular age that I am now. This is Monique Kelly in her 20s, who's just saw the good looks, the cufflinks and all that. And when a man- The glossy lips. Right, the glossy, those nice Carmex lips. You know how they put it on? And when a man tells you anything about their ex and says that their ex is crazy, that is usually a red flag because Mm -hmm. there are women out here who are crazy, who became crazy because a man has gotten on their last nerve or isn't being honest with them and has forced them into crazy. Okay. I don't want to hear this, but this is true. (laughs) So basically, you know, that date ends. He sends me a bouquet of roses, had game and apologized. For you know the oh, fact that wow, that was a nice touch with the roses. Yeah, you know he had game. I got to tell you, he had game. So basically, went on a few more dates, and then he invited me over to his house for dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did what most women do when you go to someone's house. You know, you grow the hair out on your legs. You wear the big old grandma drawers so you can make sure you act like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> women really do this, y'all. You really do because you're like, I'm gonna act like a lady. So let me make sure I'm taking yep. measures. Yep. <laughs> So basically, go to the house. We have a nice dinner. He walks me outside. He's about to give me the forehead kiss. And I hear like bushes, like a rustling in the bushes. I'm like, what is that? So suddenly, as he's kissing me, this woman jumps up from the bushes, hair a mess, mascara smeared. She runs towards us. I'm the first originally. I run off. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And she starts beating him down and cussing him out, saying, I can't believe you did this to me. And girl, I drove off. Obviously, that was the ex-crazy deranged girlfriend. I don't know what happened after that, because I did block him and delete him and never go out with him again. Good call. Good call. It's just one of those things where don't ignore those red flags. Before you commit to anyone, make sure you are paying attention to those red flags. I love it. Oh my gosh. That's kind of a traumatic story, but I had a good laugh over it. So I'm glad you were healed from it. Yes, um, yes. And we'll can stop. feel, yes, can feel open to sharing it because I can't, I had a big chuckle. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're going to get into you um, writing a book. Tell me also about the book that you've written. I know a lot of our Money Moves audience, they're aspiring authors, they're aspiring bloggers. So it's a real treat to have you on here today. And so you went from writing blog pieces, blog pieces, and then you launched your own book. Yes. So basically after writing a blog for me with my blog, like I said, I was kind of limited. My blog is entertaining. I cuss like a sailor. So that's in there. But you know, when you're writing a blog, you know, it's about you. So you're always aware that people are looking at you and what you're saying. And there's a certain element of judgment and pressure that you put on yourself as a blogger. So I knew that my first book, I wanted it to be a novel. I wanted it to be juicy. I wanted it to be something where I didn't have to think about how people viewed me and where I could create these characters right. that women could relate to. Like salacious, so I, you know, but it wasn't, hey, attached to Monique yourself. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. See, we're here. I love you. Okay. So, <laughs> so basically reality and chaos. It's a story of three women that went to Hampton University, my alma mater. Hello. Uh-huh. 
And um, they, you know, when you graduate from college, you know how it is when you're like, my life is going to look just like this. You plan out your entire life, what it's going to look like. And then you fast forward to you hit 40 and where your life is. Yes. One character is exploring for a lot of my bloggers who are single and have never been married. Believe it or not, they have said to me, I would rather be married, single, I would rather be married and miserable than single and alone. Like that's something that a lot of women have actually said to me. So one of the characters and miserable than single and alone. Oh my gosh. Those are such extremes of the spectrum. Um, it really is. And for a lot of women who've never been married, they think it looks one way. And then when you get into a marriage, a miserable marriage and realize what that really is, you start to long and miss that life you had before. Yeah. One of the characters is going through that. Another character, I wanted to touch on mental health because mental health is something that's very close to me and very, you know, close to us as a community, as African-Americans. So I wanted to explore a a sibling relationship. One of the characters is dealing with a sibling who has mental illness. And then, of course, it's L.A. So one character is an actress who isn't really making it. She gets an opportunity to do a reality show and she finds out if the price of fame is worth it. And this these characters is or is not is not is or is not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, you get to go into those. those yeah. And their friendship between the ladies, their friendship since college is what is what gets them all through these tough times. Oh, I love this book. I'm a huge book nerd, bibliophile. I love to read. Um, So I am definitely going to check this out. I can't wait to read this. And I just love like, you know, I love books about sisterhood, friendship, like the nuances of it. Um, So this sounds like a great read. Yeah, you're going to, I'm going to send you a copy. You're going to love it. I'm totally in. All right. I want to talk about, you know, the publishing industry and how, what it took to publish a book. So you sat down, you started writing and you're like, how do I get this book out to the world? Can you talk about how you walked through navigating, you know, self-publishing decisions or trying to go after a big publishing house? Oh my goodness. You know, for me, in my mind, I was like, at this point I was doing small TV shows here and there. I was just like, yeah, I'm on TV. I'm going to get a book deal right away. Uh, Yeah. So I had a literary agent. She submitted the book and I got When I say rejection, I mean, I got punched left and right um, because for a lot of the big publishing houses, they were looking either for autobiographies or they wanted more street lit, as they call it. You know, that was a little, uh, they felt like the Terry McMillan, that type of storyline was dated. So I had to really convince people that women wanted this type of content. So eventually I did get a small, very small publishing company that was interested in it, thank God, and got it published. But then once you get it published, it's a hustle to make sure. It's a hustle. Yeah, advertising, it doesn't, once you publish it, it doesn't end there. You need people to actually read the book. So just hustling that and not depending on your publisher, your agent to make it happen, it's all on you. And I love like having conversations like this because I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to write a book and, you know, all of a sudden the book is going to be on every table at Barnes and Noble and everyone's going to pick it up. It's it's actually a really tough industry. Um, And, you know, even yourself as a black author, a black woman, you know, people in the publishing houses are very siloed about what they think people want, what books they buy. So it's a really an incredible feat. I'm so glad to see this book out there. And I'm so glad that you're telling the stories of what we want to hear. Because oftentimes when you have those big publishing agents, they're like, well, we're not interested in that, but they're not really in touch with, you know, our communities, black women and the stories we want to share. 
Exactly. Exactly. You totally get it. And it was important to me that I told a story through my lens and through a lens that a lot of women are longing to see and read about. Um, okay, just a couple tips on you know how you've managed to market your book because I think you know we think social media is the key, but do you have any tips and tricks that you've used to really get out there, build an audience? Um, I know you're already on TV, but anything else for any other aspiring authors? Yeah, it can't just be social media. People rely so much on social media. Social media is huge, but you go through your network. You know, I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So you look at your various sororities, fraternities, um, your alumni associations, uh, different groups, Jack and Jill, um, different groups that you are associated with. You go through your network of friends, your girlfriends, and they will spread the word. Um, and even the, the organizations that you might not even have heard of or been a part of, you research that, you get the book out to them. And then if you do use social media, it's not just about using your page and posting a picture of your book. Yeah. Go to those various websites or various other uh, social media accounts and have them promote your book. I mean, you have a book club. I followed your book club and you know, you're a great resource for that too. So look at the various book clubs and expand from there. I love that. That's really great advice. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? 
This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so I'm going to bring us back to dating, relationships, love, and of course, money. 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 You know, I think it's a (laughs) tough, tough conversation. So as you're advising people, you're seeing, um, you know, women who are writing in, talking about their dating experiences. How do you really frame people to look at, you know, how they sort of structure conversations around money in dating? Like, is it the first date? Is it the last date? So like, when do you know when you can ask, you know, a partner, like, let's talk about money. Yeah, let's start. What's your FICO score? Yes. (laughs) So here's what I always like to tell women, you know, because I'm talking to women. I know men are like, same thing for us. But a lot of times, especially as you get older and you're dating, we treat dates like a job interview. Mm -hmm. And you want to find out so much information right away, understandably so, because you kind of like, I don't have time for this. Right. If he's a fool, I need to know ahead of time if he's a fool. So I think it's important that with dating, especially the first few dates, dating is all about collecting data. And one thing I have learned is that men will tell you everything you need to hear if you listen. If you go into a date and you're going in it as a job interview, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. So here are some things to look for when you start dating someone. Absolutely do not ask financial questions on the first few dates. Okay. Financial questions yeah. should be asked once you see this relationship going somewhere. Once you see it's going to be a monogamous, committed relationship leading into a long-term relationship or marriage. Okay. So now for most women, are they like, is this the third date? I think that's the problem. (laughs) They're like, after three dates, I need to know. (laughs) No, it's not the third date. Okay. You guys, it's not the third date. Money mover audience. I think, you know, there's both sides of the coin here. This is a non-binary group. We welcome everybody. And I think this is some information that we're dropping for everybody. It's not the third date. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Not the third date, but you're going to look for things. There's key things you're going to look for. So this is something you need to pay attention to. The first thing, when you go out on a date, does this person always pay with cash? Do they have lots of cash on them? You've never seen a debit card. You don't see a credit card. Because here's the thing. Some people be like, well, that person doesn't want to have credit card debt. They're carrying cash because they don't want to have credit card debt. Absolutely. I think that's great. You don't want to have credit card debt. But if you're dating someone and it's the third, fourth date, and every single date they are paying with cash, you have never seen a debit card or a credit card, it's something for you to pay attention to. Ooh, it's girl, something for you to pay attention to. It's a red like- Because it could be a few things. It could be, you know... It could be that this person just is saving money or not paying off credit card debt. That's something. So that's why I'm not saying run yet. 
It could mean that, are they trying to hide something? Why are they not trying to have a record of a transaction? It could mean, do they not have a credit card? Do they not have- Ooh, My mind card? is going everywhere. But first and foremost, I'm literally like, oh, clearly you're not in the matrix. You're hiding from someone. And also the fact that you just don't have a bank Greenwood card just means you are not on my level. No judgment, guys. No judgment, but judgment. <laughs> And also, here's things. Listen to the conversation. You don't have to ask about They're going to tell you. Does this person have multiple baby mamas? Okay? Okay. Having multiple baby mamas, that's letting you know right up front, that's money going to multiple different locations. Take it up a level. Mm, that's true. And, and I mean, it's, it's one of those things that in our community, you know, it's like, I don't want to use the word judgment, but... I think as women get older and they start dating, there's certain things that they have realized about themselves and acknowledged, like, this is important to me. And if money is going to be a problem and it will be tight because he's got to support multiple households, like, that might not be okay. And I think that's the question, like, is it okay for a mature woman to just be forthright about that? Well, here's the thing. You got to look deeper than just the baby mama part. Is he actively involved with the children? Does How does he talk about the baby mamas? Because if he's actively involved with the children, you know that money's being paid. Because the issue isn't the fact that he has multiple baby mamas and he has to pay child support. That, you know, especially as you get older, it happens. It's whatever. like Nick Cannon. Right. Okay. Can that okay? That's a whole nother show because okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you want to look and see because if he's not paying the child support, if he's not actively involved, later on down the line, you might not even be able to travel outside of the country because he might not have a passport because of the fact that he's not paying child support. So you need to look at that. You really need okay. to look at the raw picture. Also, another thing is. Again, it's easy to get trapped into the flash and the lifestyle. You see, you know, the labels, the name brands, the luxury cars and all these different things. But if the person is leading with that and all their conversations are about money, be careful. I'm sure you've seen the Tinder swindler, right? <gasps> I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it is so good. But this man was able to swindle money from so many women, hundreds and thousands of dollars, because he led with his money. He showed this luxurious lifestyle. So obviously these women were like, oh, I can send him money. He'll pay me back. He has it. And he was able to con women out of hundreds of thousands, almost millions of dollars. So just looking at that is also something. Also, when you're dating a man, again, of a particular age, if he's going through a divorce and he, you know, has alimony payments, child support payments, again, there is nothing wrong with that. It's part of life. But pay attention to how he talks about it. Does he complain about money? Is he the professional victim in the situation? Mm -hmm. And also, this might sound like, duh. Yeah. But if the man asks you for money, whether it's to pay for one of the first dates whether it's just in general, he gives you that sob story. He's like, can I borrow money? If he's asking you for money or a woman, even men, if a woman's asking you for money early on, obviously that is a red flag. I do think that, you know, I think that, and here's the thing. I, I, I know our audience has a wide range of ages as well, but you know, the older we get, I think those questions have to factor into play. However, this is an easy one. What are the rules right now on who pays for what on a first, second, or third date? Are people going Dutch? Is that a, more of a modern way to look at it? Should we be expecting, you know, these gender stereotypes where he pays for her, or she pays for him? Like, what is the answer? 
So here's my thing. Okay. I, I am old school in terms of dates and the first few dates. If a man asked me out, you know, I, I have the money to pay for it, obviously, but you know, it's all about how a man courts you. Right. Yes. And that's also something to pay attention to. So it's not necessarily about if he pays or what he's spending, but if you're trying to court a woman, if you don't have money, it's not be creative with your date. Be go crazy. for a hike, go for a picnic on the beach, you know, go. To I would music. love a hike. That'd be great. Being, right. It's all about being creative. It's not about how much money you spend. And for women, we are naturally giving. So the first few dates, obviously, most of the time, the man's going to pay. If a man asks a woman out and then your bill comes and he's like, can we go Dutch? Again, I'm not saying run, but it's one of those things where, OK, is this a situation for you to pay attention to that because if he's asked you out and then the bill comes and he's like, can we go Dutch or can you pay? It's something for you to pay attention to. And also for women, if you got out on several dates at a certain point, at least ask the man, at least try to pay for the date. Yeah, I think it works both ways. At some point, it's nice to be like, okay, I got this one or something. You know, I I don't know. Um, Don't take advantage of a situation. Like at a certain point, if you've been out with this man on several dates and you haven't even reached into your pocket, that ain't cool either. So I've also read, you know, generationally, a lot of younger folks are using a lot of dating apps and they're doing like smaller dates. So it's like, let's specifically meet for like a 10 a.m. coffee or, you know, so that pressure to, you know, wine and dine and an expensive date on the first date. Now I heard two things about that. Number one, because people are dating so much more. So they're doing like five or six dates a week that are quick and like, okay, let me see if I can give you a shot, um, as opposed to like long and lengthy dinners. So I don't know, a little bit of both I'm hearing. It is so true. And it's something for you to pay attention to. If you're going into dating and you want a relationship, pay attention to that. Because a lot of times, again, I wrote a blog called Confessions of a Serial Dater in LA. I was a serial dater. So at a certain point, you know, even a serial dater has to decide, okay, it's time to like focus on one person and look at quality instead of quantity. So you want to pay attention to that. And there is something to be said. Again, you have to pay attention to how someone's courting you. I get from a perspective of someone where it's like, I'm not trying to spend all this money on someone who I barely know. So why not start really getting to know this person? Person before you decide to go out. And then once you go out, you can actually go on a real date. I don't think we should settle on these non-date dates because then you can find yourself in this hamster wheel of a non-date date. Oh, is that like the friend zone? You're like, yeah. I'm constantly on these non-date. Oh, okay. And that's now what you find yourself in these situationships where you like, okay, I'm not sure what, like, no, let's have some clear definitions and boundaries of what you want. If you're looking for a committed monogamous relationship. Okay. All right. So Monique, I have so much more to talk about on this. Now, I feel like also with our younger generation, you know, a lot of them are looking for like this instant perfect relationship and wealth and how do you have your stuff together? But like, I mean, kids are in their, not kids, but folks in their twenties, thirties, et cetera. You know, I love to have the conversation and hear your perspective on just this concept of like building together. We're all trying to figure it out. I remember in my 20s, you know, I'm in my 40s now. Like I had a lot of shit that I didn't know because I didn't know better. So are, are people still open to finding partners that they can build with? You know, I know, you know, I'm in my 40s as well. And it's, you know, I hate to sound like, like this, but it's that social media. Okay. Like I always love to tell people 
we were doing stuff in our 20s too. We just didn't have social media to document it. Thank God, thank God, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) But it is so true because it's this world of instant gratification. And there is something to be said where you meet someone, you're younger. And And also, let me just say a side note. It is possible to meet your husband or your wife and you're young and build together. For I get sure. so tired of us, you know, some cynical 40 plus people that's like, just focus on your career. You know, you can do both. In addition both. to, I always like to say that you can do that. But there is something to be said when you meet someone young, you build together, you create this life for yourself and you can see it flourish together. There is something beautiful about that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people who are younger, not, I won't even say a lot, but for some people who are younger, you just see this flash, the, the labels, which are nice too, but you don't see the progress of what it took to get there. Yes. You know? And I think there's something, again, building together, seeing it come to fruition. That is a beautiful thing. When you can sit back in your 40s and be like, remember we're in our 20s and we were going to the Olive Garden and now look at us. There's something. Um, I like, loved the Olive Garden. I loved Red Lobster. Oh, those breadsticks. It was a great, I mean, I grew up in Canada, so shout out Swiss Chalet. If anyone's ever listening, it was basically rotisserie chicken. Oh, best meal ever. Um, but you know, yeah, I think there's certainly something to be said for, I, I, I feel like the dialogues are like, oh no, he doesn't have his stuff together versus like, hey, you know, we can build together versus I don't have time to like fix anyone. And I think they all get blurred together, but you know, it's, it's also about perspective. Right. And also it's about where you are, what you're looking for in your twenties versus thirties versus forties. Yeah. In your forties, you're not necessarily going to want to get a, a, a project of someone who's has a rap career and you try to build up. Right. That's perfect example, because I think that's someone who, you know, and I believe in like, especially on money moves, we talk about career transitions going from totally fine, but you have to have the plan to support your career transition. So that distinction is something very, very different saying, Hey, I'm, you know, mid forties. I've never managed to figure out a successful career. And now I'm, that's something very different. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And also like, if you're in your 40s and you decide to become an entrepreneur. For me, I became left a very lucrative job as a studio executive, took a chance to pursue this career full time. So what does your savings look like? Um, did you get a severance package? Like when you're deciding to do things like this, you have to be very strategic about it in your 40s. Also, if you're dating someone who was in a marriage and now they are paying child support and alimony. There is nothing wrong with that. You know, as long as you guys work together and that's very different in your forties in your twenties, it's, I believe it's unfair to expect a man or woman to be where someone who is in their forties or fifties. Yes. That's not, that's not realistic, but you have to look at, I always used to talk about money earning potential in your twenties and thirties. So if you're in college, you know, he, you know, he's pre-med, he's an engineer, he's, he's getting his education. You know, you might be broke for a couple of years. You or- will probably be broke for a couple of years. A hundred percent. Don't let the internet or anyone else tell you else. Like there are ups and downs, webs and flows to it. Absolutely. So that's why you got money making potential and looking at the full picture. Cause also here's the other side of that. A lot of people got into these relationships with some people who might've been professional athletes, their career ends, they, the money 
years down the line, it's gone. Yeah. So you could have been in a situation where you went into a lifestyle a certain way. And now that lifestyle has changed. That feels like a book. Yeah, exactly. So you got to look at before you commit to someone, you got to look at the finances and the whole picture of the relationship and the person. Wow. All right, Monique. So what's next for you? How do you sort of evolve this? Are you going to take the show on the road? Where can we find more from you? So basically my next thing is I'm loving hosting, hosting the shows, doing, I I love that. I want to definitely do more of that. I want to do my next book. I'm going to start writing the next book. And ultimately I want my own show where we can talk about dating relationships and get into the grid of it, especially for people who are 35 plus and in that, because it's a very different spectrum during those years versus the early years. And then also helping the young folks to make sure they don't make some of the same mistakes that us more seasoned ladies did back in the day. I love that. Can you remind us again, the title of your book, where we can find your website and where we can follow you on social media? So the title of my book is Reality in Chaos. And my website, you can go look at some of the old school blogs from years ago too, is confessions of a serial dater NLA.com. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at cocktails and confessions and, and is spelled out A and D. I love it. Cause I love a cocktail and I love juicy confessions. Yeah. So Monique, thank you so much. All right, money movers. That's all the time we have for today, but make sure to follow Monique on all of her social media handles. And if we helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge on your social, and or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to tune in Monday to Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.